coming at you with the raw aggression of a jackal. It's Tyrants on the Field. Welcome back to Tyrants on the Field. As always, I'm your host, Joe, and it's a good one today. Very excited to be back on the air. I had a bit of a laryngitis last week. So excited to talk War Machine. As always, excited to talk Orgoth and excited to talk about recent events. So a lot of great things happening recently. There was Depticon, I think two weeks ago at this point, wasn't able to go, but excellent tournament results coming out of it. A lot of amazing narrative play, a lot of positive results there. About 22 total between the two heats to get into Masters, an interesting Masters final between two legacy armies, and really showing the availability and viability of the legacy armies within Prime itself. Of course, they were piloted by two of the better pilots throughout the history of the game in JVM, piloting his Legion with the Ravens of War and Vale 1. And, of course, the immortal Chuck Ellswick running a Kador Man of War list to take it all away from JVM. So, again, as, as I stated online, the more additions change, the more they stay the same, because Chuck wins with Jank at Adepticon over JVM. So, <laughs> I think we could put that headline in every single edition, and it would be relevant. So, <laughs> uh, good to see. Again, we're rebuilding. There's there's no two ways about it. There There's a lot of things that Privateer has to prove over the next few months. They're slowly getting into it, but there's a lot of people that are returning. I, I myself am a returning player to the game. A lot of new players. It's part of the cycle, and it's part of what has to kind of happen for the game to have long-term viability. There, again... There was a lot of a lot of people that have been peeled off over the years. And one thing that was true through second and third, especially, was they were not as friendly to get new people into the game. And when you have that, and then you have attrition or you have attritional events, you're gonna end up with with having to rebuild a lot of these metas. And again, I don't want to dwell on anything negative with uh, with Privateer. There's plenty of it. You can go to other sources for that. What I will say is things continue to improve, continue to kind of get better. More models continue to be added to legacy armies, and more things become available within the unlimited format. Those are all good things and all good steps. Again, it's not the full release, and I can totally understand if you're a legacy player that has not found a new army that they enjoy, where, again, you you don't see where your new stuff is coming from yet, and you don't see sort of a path forward with the game. Totally get it. Again, still building, still learning. We're still seeing what new stuff is going to come. Hopefully something strikes your fancy. But, again, the Legacy Prime stuff is still very fun to play for the most part. Again, I totally get the, the restricted cap caster amounts and how that can be detrimental to some, especially if you don't have your personal favorite represented. Uh, I get that. I totally do. But hopefully there's something in there for you. 
and you're finding your way back, you're finding finding your meta growing. But tonight, what I want to really talk about is one, a couple of things. I want I want to talk about legacy. I want to talk about point level. The point level discussion is one that I think needs to be had and needs to be had in, in greater detail and greater context, particularly around where WTC ended up landing. For those that don't know, WTC started at 75 this year, and then there was some very dramatic feedback from those that were likely to attend that event and former captains. And then about a week later, they decided that it was going to be 100 points. And the reaction, the ripples of that change were immediate and and heavily felt within the wider community, particularly in events. What you saw was a number of events going from 75 to 100 to stay in line with the WTC. And this is one of the this is one of my personal issues with going to 100 points at this point in the game's life cycle. You have a really good amount of new and returning players, people that haven't played in editions, people that are, are getting reinvigorated and re-excited for the game because they, there's new factions available. There's new new models that they haven't had previously, the way the game plays, the, the fact that we were having a lot of access to lower points games and lower points viability in, in some cases. That kind of had some water poured on it a little bit with WTC going to 100. And I can totally appreciate the desire for heavily entrenched players to want to play with more of their toys. I, I get it. But there's an ecosystem effect that I don't think WTC fully took into account with this beyond the players and its attendees. And and it's again, make no make no mistake, WTC is is also a a business in that it is providing a service in that service needs to be desired by the player base. And if a large portion of your player base or your potential player base doesn't want to play at 75, but would prefer to play at 100, then you acquiesce to that request. And that's exactly what occurred with WTC. Again, the ripples of that are, we had an opportunity to to really cement 75 for the first year as sort of the competitive level for the game for a while. Again, because your most invested players, your most entrenched players, were going to need to play 75 in order to grind the games necessary to compete internationally. Which means that was what they were going to be playing at their local store. That was what most of the other events in different regions were going to have to help attract those players. Which has, a, which has a positive onset of allowing that point to be point level to be less intimidating for a new or returning player. Again, a 75-point game is a lot less material than a 100-point game. 
and it's easier to get somebody who's getting into a starter box at 50, which is really like, depending on your jack loadout, 65 points or, or 60 points, to then have them pick up a couple of solos or pick up a second army box and then be at really viable, really a lot of viable options at 75. So, and then not really having too many builds at 100. So this this is where I take the, the most umbrage with the decision is because of that potential to starve out some of the newer players from getting into the competitive scene as rapidly as you would like or to help fill out some of these numbers. So if you, I just want to warn people, if you make the ceiling 100, it's, it's going to have a detrimental effect longer term on getting newer players into the ecosystem quicker. And that's really where my heart is when I, when I talk about 75. Beyond that, I also just really enjoy the pace of play at 75. 75, 75 at 45 is, again, nice brisk pace, not a huge strain, not a huge load on the mind. It, it plays well. It plays easy. It lets you do what you need to do, get the game out, and it's done. It's, it, it goes pretty quickly. Again, for some people, they don't like that as much. And again, I will, I will reiterate, and I've stated this before, 100 points is, is a fine points level. It's a fun points level. It's a fun game. It is a little grindier than 75. And I know some people really like a grind game. It's also much easier for legacy armies to better compete at 100 points. However, Adepticon was played at 75, and two legacy armies bubbled up to the top of that event. So I would I would caution that 75 is, is not competitive for legacy factions. I, th- I think that it is. I do think that it does reduce your number of viable builds as a legacy player. And so I get that versus 100. But on the flip side, for for your new armies, 100 points is, is candy land. We get all of our good stuff and then whatever else we want. It, it really is really is no no restriction Friday at 100 points. So I can I can understand the desire to be up at that points level, but I, I do think that the new the new the, the new factions are at a more extreme advantage at 100 and the legacy factions are more filled are more fleshed out at 100. So whether those two things better offset, I don't know. I think we're going to see some more data on it as, as these events are played at 100. I'm looking at going at, to Rocky Top in Tennessee to play at that event, and that event has moved from 75 to 100. So I'm excited to get, get my Orgoth at 100 points on the table and, and play with it. Additionally, the online league 
that goes on that has been being that has been being played at 75 and that this month in April the registration is still open as of the recording of this which is 43 they'll keep the registration open till 46 on the disc on the war machine discord they've moved to 100 points so again all of those ripples coming through on uh, on sort of these, these decisions so my hope is that it goes well, that it doesn't deter new and returning players to see a lot of these events being played at 100. I'd like to see some more 75 events come out and around. I think they're needed for the long-term health of the game. I also think it's just a, a more pleasant experience at 75, and I know there's uh, there's some Europeans that also believe this as well so it'll be interesting to see see how it goes but I, I my my fear is that now that we've gone to now that wtc has gone to 100 and the meta is going to be at 100 for this year that it's not going to reset down unless there's there's a very firm push from pp and they've always stated that it's not their intention to to force people into a particular points level so I think they want all three to be viable, but I think viability and uh, and where the market's at are, are two two different things, and I think you may have to to push harder around it. And I think a big a big reason why a hundred is is being pushed so hard is the steamroller packet as it stands. Steamroller as it stands does play far better at hundred than it does at seventy five or any of the other other points levels, and that is because. It was built and designed with Mark III in mind, which was a much larger game in terms of number of models on the field, number of free stuff on the field, just a, a totally different point scale comparative to, to where we're at today in Mark IV. So I think, I think with a revamped steamroller, you may see some, some alleviation of the desire to be at 100 versus where we're at today but that's where we're at <laughs> so for me uh, for me I, I i can play 100 i can play 75 i can play 50 i i like the game at all of the different levels it, it all plays pretty much the same to me in terms of my my enjoyment my desire 75 just seems to be my sweet spot because i really enjoyed list building at 75 and at 100 points, I don't really feel like I'm list building. I feel like I'm just getting whatever I want. <laughs> and again, this is with Orgoth. And when I play some of my legacy factions, yeah, 100 point feels feels way better than building something at 75. At 75, making a lot of sacrifices on a, on a legacy faction. We're at 100 points, still making a few sacrifices, but, but not nearly as much. With the new factions... I have to make sacrifices at 75 and 100. I don't have to make any, so I have <laughs> I have very very little very little wherewithal as as to what I play, but but for me, I'd rather play the quicker game, the 75 point game, because I like the game to be at be at a better pace than than 100 seems to play at points. Not that it drags, but it's just it's just more stuff on the field. It's more stuff you got to think about and, and do. Where 75, it's nice, tight, 45-minute clock. 
clock is still a, still a factor without becoming a major factor, you know, there's a there's a lot of things you can do with it. So that's that's where I'm at. I'd love to hear your thoughts around 75 or 100. It seems to be every few weeks we'll get a, a thread going on it at different points. But I'm I'm interested to see where where people fall on it, and I, I'd love to know your perspective in terms of what army you play and and why you like 100 better or why you like 75 better. So that's that's some of the things that I'd like to see around it. So shifting gears slightly, let's talk about Adepticon Masters. So let's talk about the the top eight, sort of the breakdown of what was there, and my thoughts on it, basically. So in the top eight, you had Kador coming in first, Legacy Kador. You had Ravens of War coming in second. You had Orgoth rounding out the top three. And then in fourth, you had Grimkin. Then you had New Signar. You had another Orgoth player. Then you had... Sorry, then you had Legions, Dragonhost. Finally, rounding it all out with good old Crucible Guard. So that was your top eight at Adepticon. So a couple of things stick out to me here. One, a double Legion in the top eight, both flavors of Legion. You had Grimkin showing up and showing up well. And then from the from the, the new side, you had Orgoth and then one Signar. But double Orgoth coming in. That is a 50-50 split on... Your top eight, essentially, between legacy armies and new armies within Prime. So I think that's a validation, at least a bit, to the work that Privateer has been putting in on their legacy armies in particular to make the experience as balanced as possible. And again, still not 100% perfect. It's it's difficult to to get to that to that level without having a lot more games played. All of that said, they'll have a balance patch sometime early next year, as is the the way forward with things, and that will help as we continue to examine legacy armies and we we get into this edition more fully. So there's a lot more to come in terms of legacy, where it's at, how it works how it feels and I think I think a lot of it is shaded by the fact that when Mark III was wrapping up there was a massive update to a lot of items and a lot of items that had been needing help for additions not just third but like additions where there was just just models that had no place or a very limited place and there was a, a major update that was done at the end of third that sort of gave them a place and, and gave them a, a swan song. And when fourth edition came around and some of these units came back in, a lot of those changes were, were left on the left on the wayside. And so that kind of left a bitter taste in, in a lot of people's mouths who had just had uh, these models that had, had not done much forever finally sort of have a have a place and, and a way and 
a bit of viability and then the the changes that sort of encapsulated what they needed were taken out and that that never feels good now nobody likes a nerf and sometimes a, a nerf is not a nerf because you're you're in a brand new edition and the balance is changing and the the level for the game is changing but if you had something on your card before and now that isn't there that is perceptionally to the user seen as a nerf that is something being taken away and nobody likes anything taken away people are fine with adding stuff to a card no one's going to argue adding something to a card unless it breaks the model fully but for the most part they could have slapped something on there and nobody would nobody would have been sad about it but second there were words on a card and then those words aren't longer on a card everybody loses their mind that's just that's human nature that's the that's game design problems that's design problems in general which is why when you're resetting a power level it doesn't always feel good and, and make no mistake fourth edition is a major reset in power level I'm I'm a big card player as well so played all types of different collectible card games and for longevity there is always a need to regulate the power in your primary and entry level events and sets and sometimes you have to have a set that is not quite as exciting as the other sets because it just has some good lower powered mechanics than previous ones and it is always ripped after you had really strong really really high power level and then you go to a little bit softer power level it always doesn't feel as good because you were used to playing something exceedingly powerful and then in the environment the ceiling is dropped when the ceiling's dropped it takes a while for people to get their gauge reset because they're used to being way up here and now the ceiling is about five feet down from that and so your top end cards are going to look very different in a lower powered environment than they are in a higher powered environment and that's what we're seeing in in fourth is fourth edition is a major reset to the game its general power level all of that with that means if you were used to playing in the higher powered environments of third it is going to feel a bit weird for a while and that is okay that is expected you were playing in a more powerful environment than you are now mechanics have changed slightly the top end power and strength have changed the accessibility to shield walls or to to shield guards and to grievous wounds all of these things have changed slightly and because of that we're playing in a very different environment than we were a year ago beyond just the basic mechanical changes there's just there's environmental factors around it in terms of what your top end power and strength are what your top end armor and defense are what tricks are available to, to which armies 
all of these things have kind of shuffled up a bit. And the environment is a lower powered environment, which does a couple of things for you. One, it, requ it requires a, a really strong emphasis on fundamental play. Point in case, Chuck's list that he, he brought, or Chuck's list that he brought to, to Adepticon. Both meat and potato style lists. You have his Harkovich list, which is Black Ivan, a Demolisher, Devastator, Spriggan, Bulkhead, two Greylord Forge Seers, a unit of battle mechanics with Officer, and another unit of battle mechanics. And then Blessing the Gods, Breakthrough, Infiltration, Old Faithful, and Power Swell. And then his second list, which is one he used in the finals, was the Rusk, two Jugs, two Greylord Farseers, two Manowar Kovniks, Commandant Atanas, Unit of Bombardiers with Officer, Unit of Demo Corps with Dragos, Unit of Shock Troopers with Shock Trooper Officer. Blessing of the Gods, Breakthrough, Infiltration, Old Faithful, and Power Swell. So that arrest list is all about fundamental play. It is about using all of your tools and tricks to grind out the opponent and get yourself in a position to win that match based on fundamental play. And that's sort of the mindset and the, the thought process that fourth is in right now. We are in where the better fundamental player is going to win more often than not. Because again, a lot of the high-powered tricks are gone from the previous edition. Some things are there. Some things are super tricksy. There's still, a, don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of tricks. But what I mean by fundamental is that you play within what your faction does well. You take a list that you can control as many variables as possible. You play that list a bunch. You find all of your threat ranges. You find your weaknesses, and you mitigate them, and you work to continue to mitigate them by tweaking the list and tweaking your play. There are a lot of different ways to win in War Machine. There are a lot of different ways to win a majority of matchups. One of the nice things about fourth is the delta between a lot of these armies is very small. And so you've got a lot more 50-50s or 60-40s than you think you do. you got to get out there and start grinding some games around it. Start looking for those micro edges, looking for those little bits that change how your list plays because of X, Y, or Z on the other side. We are in a little bit different era. We're in a, the beginning of an edition. That edition is a transitory edition in that there's a lot of things that have changed. A lot of fundamental mechanics have changed. And we are relearning our basics. But at the end of the day, it's an easy game if you can roll a lot of sixes. But really what it's about, it's always been about positioning, 
understanding your threat range in relation to the opponent, understanding your reach in terms of scenario, understanding where you can initiate the trade properly to end up on attrition. Understand where you can stack your buffs or stack your debuffs to maximize your ability to win the attritional battle. Win the attritional battle, you have a lot more options than the person that's losing the attritional battle. <laughs> and always look for your assassination vectors on both sides. Keep your caster safe and try to endanger their caster as much as possible. And if you see a good vector with a good percentage, take it. Unless you can use that to gain a, a more long-term attritional advantage. So, War Machine is still War Machine. Just a new addition. New addition has some little quirks to it. Everybody's getting back into the wrinkle of it. So, I look forward to, to playing some more War Machine. Getting it on the table. Getting my legacy stuff on the table a bit. Building some more lists at 100 across the board. And I look forward to this online league and the tournament that's coming up. So, again, always great to talk with you all. Please, if you have questions, comments, concerns, shoot them my way. Drop me a note. I'll be happy to respond, have a, have a conversation about it. Love the game. Looking forward to see as it continues to evolve and grow. Looking forward to, to helping new players and, and returning players get back into their game locally. Looking forward to helping the Detroit meta as much as I can as I step into it. So very exciting, exciting stuff. And uh, this has been Tyrant on the Field, or Tyrants on the Field. And remember, the most fun thing is empowering your jacks from six inches away.